Well, today we're starting a new series, and I'm excited. We had decided this was going to be our sermon series. It's called An Attitude of Gratitude. <laughs> and the attitude of gratitude, like gratitude is really more of an attitude than it is an experience. It's like I don't wait till everything gets involved, everything gets just right, and I get everything lined up, I get all my finances I need, I get everything I need, and then all of a sudden I can be happy. It's, it's an attitude even in the midst of stuff that we walk through. Anybody ever been around the water cooler somewhere, or been in the office, or been at the house, or been around the table, or been at lunch or dinner, and you're sitting there talking, and all of a sudden, somebody brings up a person, place, or thing, and then people start piling on. You know, they, they start going, and they start, yeah, well, let me tell you. Oh, yeah, and let me tell you. Oh, yeah, and then by, before you know it, for the next 30 minutes, you figured out everything that was wrong with that situation, that person, that place, or that thing. And if we're not careful, we'll walk around always looking at what we call negative Nancy. And forgive me, anybody's name that's Nancy. It's not meant for you. (laughs) But it it looks around where we're just like, bad, 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 bad. If we're not careful, our attitude will begin to be, we always look at things and we try to, to, to decipher them, always look at them. And so this morning... I want us to look at what gratitude really is. And it it says this right here. This is out of good old Webster. It says, the quality of being thankful. It's a quality. It takes a choice to be thankful. Readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness. Now, I want to say to you parents of young children, the day will come. I just wanted to. The day will come where they do that. Where it's like, oh, thank you. Mom. It may take a little while longer than you think. But um, it's one where you go, oh, thank you. You're so good. You're sowing seeds and you're going to reap that harvest. But uh, so it's that thing of one, not only am I thankful, but then I'm ready to show it. It's one thing to feel. It's another thing to show it. And so this is what Philippians 4, 6 and 7, Paul was saying this, if you got problems, you got struggles going on, this one you may want to put on your memory bank here. Don't worry about anything. And I always say this, there's a reason when it says don't do it, it means there's potential to do it. When it says, you know, I, you know, I don't, I don't remember ever telling my children, look, now don't you be too good. <laughs> don't you tell the truth too much. We, we never had to go and say, we as fallen creatures, we always, we got to train and instruct in righteousness. And so when it says don't worry about anything, it means that we, we have the potential to do that because of this world. And it says instead, instead of worrying when that thing comes at you, whether it's a finance, a relationship, a diagnosis, whatever it is that comes at us, it says instead pray about everything. In other words, converse with God about it. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Like, start off there. Instead of going, what I don't have, Lord, thank you, I do have this. I do have breath in my lungs. I can begin to thank you. Then you will experience God's peace. Then and only then will you experience His peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart. So let me say your heart, because a lot of people think it's this kathumper, kathumper. It's not your kathumper, kathumper. Your heart is the core of your being. It's the place when when things come at us, and they do, when you get some kind of bad news or something, it hits you right in the gut, the core of your being. 
And that's where you begin to, it is like, oh, oh, you can't eat, you can't sleep, and all this stuff comes at you. That's your heart. And it says, if you'll do this, the peace of God will guard this place right here. Believe me, I was praying for that all weekend. Jesus, I mean, I'm, I'm believing you're going to give me a voice. <laughs> like literally a voice, not, not a voice. Yesterday it was like, hey, how you doing? This morning, praise the Lord. Even this morning, a little bit earlier. I sound like J.B. Connor. Um, <laughs> it's one of those things that it just would go deep. And I'm thankful. I just kept thinking, well, guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And so this morning, as a series, we're going to start this series off like this. We're, going to, we're calling it Growing in Gratitude. And yes, you have to grow in it. <laughs> because it comes natural to do the other. And so we got to grow in this thing. And, and um, I thought the best way to do this is we're going to look at some gratitude busters. Gratitude busters. Like things that bust up our gratitude. Like we want to be thankful. We want to be gracious. We want to do that. But these things come in. And the first gratitude buster that comes up that, um, I know there's a lot of them, by the way, for those of you who are visiting and the, all of us, y'all know this is not an exhaustive teaching, which means there is, you got, this, this is what I love about the Lord. You have freedom to take this and go and expand on it for you. That God will speak to you in other ways and it'll take you all over the place. Praise the Lord because He loves to do that. But our first one that I came up with is covetousness. Covetousness. And the reason I brought up that one is because covetousness does this. It's about self-will. It, it has two words that are really similar to it. And that is what we call envy and jealousy. And it, it sticks us in the middle of everything. Covetousness, it's a great scorekeeper. Like I look around and I look what people have. And I'm like, we keep score. Well, they got this, and they got that, and they got this. Oh, they got the nice house, they got the nice car, they got the right wife, they got great children there. Anybody ever in here look around and say, I wish my children were like that? <laughs> or they look around and say, I wish, when you were younger, remember how you would, I wish you was, I wish you was my daddy. I wish they was my mother. I want to tell you, I had some young people here, and when I was doing youth, you know, decades ago, no. About three years ago. And I'd have these young men that would come up and say, I wish you was my daddy. I said, no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> and they said, why? I said, because training is what we do. We weren't raising children. We were training. I was training a young man to be a, a husband, training a young man to be a father. I wasn't just raising him, giving him something to eat and getting down the road and say, here, go on, son. Um, it has training involved. And so... When, when we look at this thing of, of, of covetous and we start looking around and we keep score of what other people have, we naturally come back and say, well, I don't have that. I don't have this. And I don't. And we begin to envy and we begin to get jealous of what they do have. And I'm telling you, this is a powerful gratitude buster because if we always look at what we don't have, we'll never celebrate what we do have. We'll never do it. Like, if I were to ask you, we're not going to take time this morning, but if I were to ask you a few things that you love about your job. <laughs> Some of you go, well, there's, there's one. If I asked you, what are the things you don't like about your job? Well, let me see. <laughs> you start rattling off all these things. And I'm telling you, you, you can be careful that that becomes your focus. That becomes instead of, and so you begin to covet. I wish I had another job. I wish I had there. I wish I had this. Or here's one. 
gifts and talents. Many times we, we want to covet other people's gifts and talents. I wish I was like them. No, you don't. You need to find out and celebrate how God made you and then be the best you you can be because he put special gifts inside of you. And so that's what we're trying to get you to do is celebrate those. Covetous also, one of the things that it does, it, it causes quarrels. It causes fights. That's what James, the brother of Jesus, talking about a, a man that had to struggle. Hey, your older brother is the son of God. Like, think about what it was like talking about that in their family. How was, how was Jesus born, mama? Well, <laughs> let's see here. <laughs> well, I was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. Um, an angel came to me and said, you're going to be with child. And so James had to come to the realization that his brother indeed was and is the son of God. And he had to go to him, his older brother, for it to be a savior. Now, how many of you would like to have to do that to your older brother, huh? <laughs> Don't do it because he can't be. So anyhow, he may help you out. But so James came down. And this is what Jesus, I mean, James said. He was talking about in James 4, 1 through 3. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Do they, came, do they come from your desires that battle within you? Like these things that you think about that you don't ever say because covetedness is a heart issue. See, there's things that we do that people see, but covetousness is something you don't see. It's something you keep inside. And you look and you wander and you ponder it. And that's what James is talking about. It's something that battles within you. You desire but do not have. So you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because why? You do not ask God. And then he goes on to say, James says, you can ask, but look, you ask with the wrong motive. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. Why? That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So covetousness, it puts me right in the middle of everything. Like I'm sitting here in the center and I'm the center of my world and I'm sitting here and I'm looking out and I'm not getting outside of that and I'm not allowing the spirit of God to change me and I'm always looking at other people. We don't want to do that. That's a, that is definitely a gratitude buster. The second one I want to go to and you all be familiar with this one is this gratitude buster that we like to call, um, uh, uh, complaining. <laughs> Anybody ever have a problem with that <laughs> besides me? No, <laughs> nobody ever struggles with that. We never figure out what's wrong. Look, I know there are times where you can sit in church and say, well, I wish the music's too loud. They sing that song too much or, or this is not right or this is too cold or it's too hot or I wish that preacher said or no. <laughs> I, w- I wish there's a number of things that we, if we're not careful, we'll start and complain about. We'll, once we start, it's hard to get off that train. It is hard. Once you... If you're in a group and once it starts going downhill, you know what it's like Try to turn that ship around. <laughs> you say something nice like, everybody look like, what you talking <laughs> it, it can be very difficult once you start it. That's why, and some of you might need to put this on your refrigerator, those with, with young people. In Philippians 2.14, it says this, do everything without complaining. Did I read that right? Does it say everything? (laughs) Does it mean everything? God knew what he was talking about when he said everything. He didn't say like it. He said do it without complaining. Remember, remember, we're not going to turn there, but remember when when God had 
told Joshua, man, we're, we're giving you this, this city. And Jericho, it was all hemmed in. And he said, look, I want you to march around this city seven times. And on the seventh day, I want you to march around it seven times on the seventh day. And you're not allowed to talk. <laughs> what do you think they would have said marching around this big city wall going, man, we mar- we don't- isn't that five times? We've been around here five times. What is Joshua doing? He's got to be out. There's no way. Five times we walking around. It's hot out here. It's dusty. I'm thirsty. My feet hurt. I'm hungry. How many things could you come up with to complain about? And why did God say, hey, no talking, no talking. All right, for those with young, young people in your car, and you got more than two, or you got more than one young person in your car, no talking. <laughs> We're taking silence. You are not allowed to talk. Because <laughs> you know what's going on back there. Like, <laughs> So complaining, do everything without complaining or arguing. And then this is what it also says in uh, in 1 Corinthians 10.10. 10. Um, Paul's referring back to when Moses, when they were in the desert, he said, do not complain as some... He was reminding the, 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 the people of Israel. He's reminding the people of God saying, hey, do not complain as some of them did back in the desert and were killed by the angel that destroyed. Because they were out there in the desert going, well, I don't like it. And he goes, okay. So they ended up didn't make it out of there. So complaining can definitely be a gratitude buster. It, you can be thinking great thoughts and all of a sudden you look at something wrong. Now, now let me, let me do say something here. There is a thing called constructive criticism, but there's a fine line when you get into criticism and get into complaining. Like I, I love it when, I mean, I, I've been blessed in that many of you have said, hey, Mark, you want to think about this? There's, there's different things that you have shared with me that have tremendously impacted my life to go, here's a way to look at that. And so I, I celebrate that. When it gets into complaining, when you get and say, hey, this is wrong, I always say this. If you see something wrong, find a better way to do it. Figure that out. You have freedom to do that. And I, I mean that here around this church. As, as, as a member of this body, if you see a better way, please come tell Please come tell us. That's the only way we're going to get better. It's by you. Hey, don't just go to somebody else and say, well, I don't like this. I don't like... Come and say, hey, let's make it better. So we encourage you to do that. The third one is, if, 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 if we can't get it with the, the covetedness and you get into complaint, if you don't handle that on that level, then it turns into plain contempt. And that's where it's a disdain, where you just begin to dislike And you just begin to, hey, that happens in church a lot where people don't like what's going on. And instead of talking to the pastor or talking to those in leadership, they just start going. And then they just like, I can't, can't stay in that church. I can't stand. Or it happens in, it happens on your job. You begin to like when you get up in the morning and you think about going to work, it starts. I got to get prayed up. Just to get out of bed because I know where I'm going. It gets to the point where if you're not careful, you get a complete disdain for it instead of saying, Lord, what's one thing I can be thankful for? And what is something I could? And so contempt is where, where we can get that towards a person. We get that towards a place. We can get that towards a thing. Um, many young people get a contempt to church because they have a drug problem. And that's not because of the drug problem you think. It's because they were drugged to church their whole life. (laughs) 
They're like, I don't like getting up on Sunday. It's my only day off other than Saturday. <laughs> so they make me get up and go to church and they drug me there. And so, so, um, that's one where they can have a contempt for church because they, they took them there. But I want to say this to you that, um, we have to, to, to be at a place where we want to celebrate in, in the Old Testament in Second Samuel 6, it says this, where David, the, the Ark of the Covenant, which held the, at that time was the presence of God, it had been away from Jerusalem for over 40 years. And so David is, is king and he's bringing it back in. And that was like, hey, we've got the presence of God coming back into the temple. We're bringing it. He didn't, it, it wasn't, they didn't have a temple. Solomon built the temple, but we're bringing it back into the, into the city. And as they started coming in, David got a little happy. And he's like, Woo! And he got excited and started going, like some of y'all yesterday. Like, y'all know, if I'd have had y'all on video. <laughs> David got that excited and he started going and he said, look at this. The Ark of the Lord entered the city of David. Michael, the, the, Michael, the, the, his wife begins and the daughter of Saul looked down from her window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and it says that he kind of got a little unrobed because they had robes back then, not pants. <laughs> Said stuff showing flying. He's just going worse than didn't care. She was filled with contempt. I'm like, who does he think he is? We got to be careful. Look, right now in social media, there's a, a man that gave his life to the Lord who had lived a life that is contrary to what most of us would like Anybody heard of a man named Kanye West? And everybody's thinking like they're trying to be back judging and going, I'm just not so sure that's real. And I want to tell you something. I don't get to determine that. You don't get to determine that. His fruit will determine. Look, and I'm telling you this. This is where we've got to be careful that we don't get filled with contempt because of who God chose. I'm going to say this to you. There were some people pretty shocked that you got saved. (laughs) They went, what? No way. That couldn't have happened. There's no chance. I got to see that for myself. God wants to make sure that we don't do this contempt thing. That's what in Mark 14, 21, uh, talking about Judas. Here's a man that walked with Jesus for three years, but he never connected with Jesus. He never locked in and said, this is, this is, oh yeah. He was never sure that he was the son of God. Even though Jesus told him, if you look through all of the, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all the synoptic gospels, Mark, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, if you go through those, you'll see that he's always listed last for a reason. And usually when they listen them, you always see Peter, James, and John, the two brothers, because they were close. It was a relational issue. It's kind of like on your, your, your friend list, there's people that get up there high. And it's because you spend time with them. You, like you, you got friends that, that are kind of dissing, like, oh yeah, I know them. <laughs> but then there's people that are real close. You're like, oh yeah, I know them. <laughs> and they know me and they know all your stuff and you know all their stuff. Okay. Judas was, had never really got close. Judas, part of the, I, my personal belief is Judas kept the money bag and Judas didn't want to get too close to Jesus. Like, uh oh, I'm spending this on some other stuff. Jesus, kind of like you and I. When you were younger and you wanted to do something wrong, you never got close to mom and dad. You stayed far away. You'd start far away as you can. I want to get too close to them. They may see something or know something. So Judas came to the place where he ended up in Mark 
14.21, it says, The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him, but woe to the man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. He came to the place where he not only had this, this, this rejection, but then he says, I'm going to sell him. I'm just not even sure he is, and I'm going to make 30 pieces of silver, which we do know from Matthew's gospel. He did try to go give the money back, but it was too late. They said, we don't want it. So we've got to be careful that covetousness doesn't take over. Complaining doesn't be, rule the day. And also, finally, the, it doesn't get to the point where we're just plain full of contempt, total disdain for things. Now, there's there's two um, attributes we really want, two, two uh, gifts that we're given by God. And that is these two words. I want you to get these deep down in your knower. It's called this, grace and mercy. I want you to know these more than any. You need to know these two words, grace and mercy. Many of you know them, but I want you to know them. Like you know things, but I want you to know them because grace is what gets us out of this whole thing of complaining, of contentiousness. It gets us all completely out of covetousness. This is what grace and mercy does. Grace gives me what I don't deserve. Like I don't deserve that. None of us deserve salvation. None of us. On the basis of our goodness, what we've done and what we said, there's nobody that deserves to get above the sun. Like I, We don't get that. Mercy keeps me from getting what I do deserve. <laughs> like, remember when you're in trouble? <laughs> you're like, mercy. Remember that last speeding ticket if you got one? <laughs> no. Some of y'all in here never got a speeding ticket. I pray for y'all. Lord, <laughs> or excuse me, y'all pray for me. Um, remember when you got in a in a... In a situation that you felt like you could not get out of, that you, things that you did, this was not something that happened, this is something you actually did, and you're like, you want mercy. It keeps me from getting what I do deserve. And so, I'll say this, in our walk with the Lord, we don't ever graduate grace. We don't ever graduate from grace. In other words, you don't go, got it. I've graduated. I don't ever have to do that again. Remember when you graduated high school or you graduated college and all those papers and stuff? You don't have to ever write papers again. And then you got to work and you're like, no, I need this report done. I need it done by next week. You started doing that. We don't ever graduate grace. It stays with us. We need it every day of our life. And we don't ever master mercy because mercy is something we need every matter of fact, Psalms tells us. The, the, the mercies of the Lord are new how often? Every morning. So for those of you who messed up yesterday, guess what? When you woke up this morning, God said, guess what I got? It's a new day. I got new mercies today for you. We don't ever want to graduate grace and mercy. That's what this is best seen in Hebrews chapter 4, 14 through 16. This is where they're married together. And it says this. Since then we have great, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession that He is Lord. He's our God. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. This is why you need grace and mercy. Everybody in here, everybody look at me real quick. I know y'all reading the screen. We all have weaknesses. Me included. We all have weaknesses. The problem is the church is saying, oh, there's nothing wrong here. Praise the Lord. Just got a little problem. Now, we all have stuff we mess up. That's why we got to have. He knows our weaknesses. It says, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, 
yet without sin. In other words, he knows what it's like to be tempted. He knows what it's like to, tempt, to be tempted to lie. He knows what it's like to be tempted to lust. He knows what it's like to be tempted to, 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 to be greedy. He knows what it's like to be tempted to have more power than we do. He understands that. But he said he never sinned. And this is what it says in 16. He says that, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Don't ever let those two leave your, your, your understanding. Grace and mercy married together. And as we move forward with that, that's what breaks those things. And it gives us into the three things that I like to call covenant builders. And we'll go through. We went through, I mean, through gratitude builders. Went through gratitude busters. The gratitude builders, real quick. Number one is prayer. Let me say that again. Prayer. And some of y'all go, Mark, I'm not so good at that one. Let me say to you, you're better than you think. You just haven't realized it yet. Everybody prays at some point. It's when you have need. Prayer, I'm telling you, it's this. All it simply is is conversations with God. It's conversations with God. The Bible talks a lot about prayer, but there are very few that actually recorded what prayers they prayed. Jesus gave us one, but he actually said this in Matthew chapter 6. Look what it says in Matthew 6, 6. It says, but you, what does it say? When you pray. That's a when, not an if. When, Because he knew everybody. You're going to pray. When you pray, go into your room. And when you have, have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. See, most of the time, and, and I, I dare say, we've got to be care, careful that Sunday morning is not our Christian experience. That this is the only time I come, I receive worship, pray. I want to tell you, God wants to take you so much deeper, so much further. And if you'll begin to just develop, hey, you got stuff on your heart, begin to talk to him about it. Just talk to him about it. Say, Father, I've had people ask me, what, what do you talk about when you talk about God? I said, that's between me and God. Just like my conversation with my wife is between me and my wife. You don't get to know that. It's like you develop your relationship. You talk to him what's on your heart. You tell him what's going on. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So we got, it's us to say, Lord, I'm going to take time to spend talking to you, just conversing with you. And then in in Acts 4.31, it says, I love this one, after they prayed. It wasn't before, after they prayed. This is after the day of Pentecost in Acts 2. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And what happened? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. I thought that was a one-time experience. Oh, no. (laughs) It's a continual thing. It didn't just happen once. It happens over and over. That's why, look, there are three times, four times that you can meet together for prayer here at this church. Monday nights. You can meet here Monday night, 630, in in a room where we do our, our growth track up there. Go right up the ramp. You can come here on Tuesday nights. Come pray right in here. You can come. Uh, on Wednesday mornings at 7 o'clock right here in the sanctuary, and you can come Sunday mornings. There's a time that you can come and pray and begin to connect with God and other believers, and they spoke the Word of God boldly. It happens together with that. So prayer is a big one. Then the second one, a, a gratitude builder, after we connect that way, this is a big one, praise. You know why praise is such a great <laughs> gratitude builder? It gets you out of yourself. 
you got to pray something bigger than you. See, because we all natural tendency, we always look at things on how it applies to me. Praise takes me out of myself, and it actually begins to put it onto something else. That's why I love King David. King David, if you read the Psalms, 150 of them, it was all songs he sang to the Lord. And there's everything from when he was having a bad day to when he was having a great day. Psalms 100 says this. says this right here. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Can you see this? He's on the victory side here. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is good. Let me ask you, do you know he's good? Do you know that the Lord is God and he is good? The Lord is God. There's only one. See, when you begin to praise, you got to praise something bigger than yourself. And you say, God, you're good. You're so much big. You can do so much for, so much more, so much far beyond what I can think or ask. It says, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Do you see that he's a good shepherd and he takes care of us? He, he loves to take care of you. He does that. And then in verse four and five, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures how long? It ain't going to change. Let me say, all of us in here have been hurt by different people. Close family members, different ones where we felt loved less than. His love never changes. It never diminishes one little bit. His love for us, when he sees you, he still sees you with love. He still honor. He looks at you and goes, man, I, I love, ooh, I love, ooh, I just love them. You're like, but they acting like a knucklehead. I still love them. <laughs> but they still mess up. I don't care. I love them. I'm committed. I love them. And that's what God looks at when he says you, the, the, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness goes how far? Continues through all generations. It won't stop. So I encourage you, man, praise a big one. I, I, I'm just telling you, this is, this is one of those powerful ones. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And then the final, the, the other, the last gratitude builder. We've got prayer, we got praise, and then we got participate. And this is where it comes together with us. We're always better together. How many of you have ever been in a place in your life where it looked really bleak, like you were really down, and you were like, it's it's not going to get any better. It, it looked like it was towards the end, and you begin to think that way. You begin to think it'd be better. You know, this is why we're coming up on this holiday season, and uh, some of you have watched a movie um, where Jimmy Stewart, Jimmy, Jimmy Stewart, um, it's called It's a Wonderful Life. You know why that's so powerful? Is because all of us have been there, it's like, it's probably better if I weren't born. All of us have battled thoughts of, well, I'm just not that good. Some people are so much. But it's, this is where we have to come together. Just like your body is many parts, made up of many parts, but it's one. This body, as a body believers, we've got to come together. It's got to be where we're the body of Christ, not the person of Christ. That's what it says in Acts 2, 46 and 47. The church, when it started, this is what happened when it first started. This is why they were being attitude every day. In Acts chapter 2, 46 and 47, it says, Every day they continued to meet together. In the temple courts, they broke bread in their homes and ate together. Met together, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. 
And the Lord, what? Added to their number daily those who were being saved. Those who were being turned from darkness to light. Those whose lives began to be transformed because they saw the love and grace demonstrated them through the other believers. Church, this is what we're called to do. To make a difference in other people's lives. That's what Hebrews 10, I'll close with these. Hebrews 10, 23 and 20 through 25, it says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. We sometimes break promises, but God never breaks his promise. He's never going to go back. He's always going to go forward. He's committed. For God can be trusted with his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another. To, act of, to acts of love and good works. When we're together, just like what we did Thursday was a great example where I saw the joy of the Lord that came in. I saw people that I saw people all decorated, dressed. I mean, that is neat. We celebrated that. And it's the body coming together to make a difference. It says how we can spur each other to good deeds, uh, to good works. And then it goes on and said, let us not neglect meeting together. Let us not neglect meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. Especially why? Now that the day of his return is drawing near. Let me say that. That's not a scary thing. That's a beautiful thing. I'm not, I'm not dreading the day the Lord returns. I'm celebrating, waiting for it. I'm like, woo! I got to keep going so that when it comes, it's going to be an exciting day. For some, it's going to be a very frightful, dreadful day when the Lord shows up. And by God's grace, you and I can make a difference so they can look up and go, man, I'm on his team. Man, he's more beautiful. He's more wonderful. He's more incredible. He's more loving, more gracious than I'll ever be able to give him credit for. But it doesn't mean I'm going to stop trying. I'm, I'm challenging you this morning, church. I love what this last scripture, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. I'll close with this. It's one that I think we all need to to get a hold of. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. And it goes on to say, put it a little bit different. This is why it says, when he attended on high, he took many captives. Hold it. I mean, I'm scarred. Philippians 4, 8. I'm sorry. That's why they looked at me like, they were looking at me in the sound booth like, we shall give it up for them in the sound booth. They the ones that... (laughs) I love it. They were on it. That was my bad, not theirs. Y'all don't even know. They See, there's stuff going on. These people are, there's people right now that are in the nursery loving on little ones. Y'all give it up for them. Praise God. That's the body working together. There's people right now in children's church that are sitting over there. Y'all celebrate them. Hey, our ushers that are here, they make sure they get things. They're handed. They make sure you're, give it up for them. Amen. Our worship team up here. Hey, these guys. And gals, man, I'm telling you, this is where we celebrate the body. And it says this, finally, brethren, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about those things. Could you bow your heads with me real quick? Thank you, Lord Jesus. And have you been struggling with this thing of gratitude? Has, has life been less than kind to you? There's decisions that you made and 
things that you've done and things that have been done to you that have made you feel less than, that somehow you got left out of the draw, that somehow everybody won the lottery, but you didn't quite get it all together, and you lost out on the lottery of life. And I'm, this morning, I'm, I'm here to tell you that Jesus is here to help change the inside. It's not an outside thing. It's an inside thing. He comes in and transforms the heart where you really are and who you really are. And it's from that place. And it would be a privilege and honor for me to pray with you this morning. If you feel like you're away from God, that you don't know Him, and that He's distant. He's like, I mean, I've heard of Him. I know Him. But I feel like He's a million miles away. But I just want Him close. Lord, I just want to be connected to Him. I want... Mark, what you're talking about, the peace, the joy, the love, the patience, all that that he comes and brings. If that's you this morning, would you just raise your hand wherever you are? I'm going to pray with you that the Lord God would, would touch your life. Anybody else? Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Praise God. Thank you, Lord. I want to pray with you. Anybody else? Praise the Lord. Jesus, thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Developing this thing of gratitude. First, that he gave his life. I'm so grateful that he did for me what I couldn't do for myself. I couldn't save myself from my sins. I couldn't make me okay again. He did what I couldn't do. And I celebrate his life. If you would, all that would like to, I'm going to ask you to pray out loud with me. Father God, I recognize my faults and my failures. Lord, they've displeased you. I did things I've said things that weren't right. Lord, I ask you to forgive me. I trust you, Jesus, that your, your death and resurrection was full payment for my sin. I accept you now as my Lord and my God. Jesus, here's my life. Take it. Use it for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. That's right. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I do thank you right now for all you have done and continue to do in our lives. Lord, I celebrate your goodness. Lord, come. Lord, minister your life to your people right here. Lord, I thank you right now. Those who are going through real struggles in their marriages, in their jobs, Lord, in their own health, in every area, Lord, I thank you right now. I thank you, Lord God, your life being released in and through them. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would stand up with me at this time. We're going to have people here. If you've got something going on, if you... You've got a health need. You've got sickness in your body. If you want to, there'll be people coming at this time to pray. If they'll go ahead, y'all come on up. Or if you just have, you need somebody to agree with you. Something's going on in your life and you just want somebody to agree with you in prayer. They're going to be here. If you would open your hands to him. Receive from him this morning. Father God, you're the creator of the universe. You commanded blessing to be spoken over your people. That in so doing, Lord, your name might be placed on them. And you in turn would do the blessing. So I say to each one of you, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift the light of his countenance on you and give you his peace in Jesus' name. Amen.